This is an infatuation podcast side dish where we talk with and about Asian creators that we love. This is Curtis, and on today's show, we'll be talking with Julia from the Asian Soup podcast about the book and Apple TV show Pachinko. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we're doing another side dish, not a main episode. These kind of come up, um, how do I say it, more spontaneously, a little bit more last minute, and then we just do it. The other ones, I try to plan ahead of time, so I'll, you know, we record those weeks ahead of time. But this is going to be last minute, and it's something that we wanted to do just for fun. So today, we're going to talk about the show Pachinko. Uh, we might talk about the book a little bit, but honestly, I haven't read the books. <laughs> we're going to talk mostly about the show on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. And today, we're joined by an old friend. You guys know Julia. Welcome, Julia. Hello. <laughs> Julia's in Australia. You remember her. She was from our uh, what, way back December episode on the differences between Australian Asians and Asian Americans. And so Julia's in Sydney and she's joining us uh, again. So it's great to have you back. It's great to be back. I was really nervous when we were recording that episode actually about um, the Aussie versus American um, episode, but I'm feeling a lot more relaxed today. I think maybe because it's just you and me, Curtis, just feels like two friends chatting now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm really excited. And we've, we've hung out a couple times since. <laughs> we have. And we've been chatting a lot since then. So, yeah, prior to recording that episode, we didn't know each other. Yeah. yeah and then just, now we're friends. Yeah, we hung out just last week, I think. <laughs> Was it last week? Yeah, last well, week. When we say hang out, it's always on Zoom. Unfortunately, mm. we're not quite flying around the world yet. Someday, though, that'd be fun. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so we're back here with Julia, so it's great to have you back. And one of the reasons we have Julia with us today is because she is very qualified to talk about Pachinko. Not only has she read the book and watched the show, but her family actually lived through the colonization period in Korea. So uh, how much of the story did you know before the book and before the show? Did you know much about your Japanese background? Uh, I wouldn't say that my family has a Japanese background. I'll still say, I mean, yeah, we are. I mean, I, you say I'm qualified to speak on this topic, but I'm actually not because I, I'm still learning and there's a lot that I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, through reading the book, I am actually like learning more. Uh, but yeah, my grandparents on both sides of my family, they lived through the colonization I mean, not just me, but anyone my around my age or anyone with grandparents in their 90s, they would have um, had grandparents who lived through it, which meant that they um, would have been educated under the Japanese rule, yeah. meaning that they were, you know, you had to speak in Japanese and you weren't allowed to speak, I mean, like study Korean things and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I knew a little bit about it, like just through you know, like history classes mm. or maybe just conversations here and there, but not to this depth, to be honest. Like I knew that my parents, um, I mean, my grandparents on both sides could speak Japanese, especially on my dad's side, uh, because I lived with those grandparents growing up uh. as a kid. We lived in the same household and they would sometimes speak Japanese to each other. And that's when I sort of picked up like, oh, how come you guys can speak Japanese? <laughs> like you're Korean. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really a smart kid, so I didn't really like understand. I just thought, oh, cool, they can speak another language, yeah. but I didn't really think too much of it. Well, it's one of those things too, is you just don't talk about it a whole lot probably, you know, because yeah. it wasn't a great time, you know, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. So I actually found out as an adult that my grandpa, he lived in Osaka for 20 years. Yeah. And yeah. And even like just the other week, because um, we recently recorded an episode on Pachinko right, right. on the Asian Soup podcast, and I gave my dad a call just to get do some research. 
uh, asking more information about my grandpa, like, you know, why did he live there or how long did he live there? What was his experience like? Because he's passed away now. And my dad just said, or my mom and dad, they just said that my grandpa never really spoke much about it. Uh. So it was just like an, I think an area, like a time in his life that he just, like a chapter that he just closed. And yeah, it wasn't something that was really yeah, discussed, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, watching the show, you kind of realize why, you know, it wasn't, wasn't mm. happy times. I, I yeah. jumped the gun. I, I, I totally forgot to mention that uh, Julia is the co-host of the Asian Soup podcast. And yeah, that's how I knew that Julia had this background because I listened to their episode on their podcast. So everyone go check that out, the original, and you'll hear a really cute phone call between Julia and her grandma. And um, yeah, so I learned a little bit about Julia's family through that podcast. And yeah, it really is fascinating and a little sad, you know, it's not not happy times, but um, yeah, that you're that you didn't totally know that your grandpa lived in Japan for twenty years. You know, that's for for young people that'd be a lifetime, right? Yeah, twenty years is a really long time, and I think my dad told me about it when. So I've actually studied Japanese um, culture and the language throughout my teens and twenties. And I think when I went to Osaka for the first time, I told my dad, oh, my God, all the grandpas in Osaka look exactly like our grandpa, <laughs> like the way they dress. Uh-huh. <laughs> and well, dad was like, just a passing comment. He was like, well, maybe it's because grandpa lived there for 20 years. <laughs> and I was like, what? You never told me this. I didn't know about this. So I think that's how I first learned about wow. it. It wasn't like this common knowledge in our family. Yeah. Um, that, you know, maybe it's just maybe it was. And I'm I'm actually the youngest. So maybe they uh, just didn't think to bring it up to me. Right. Um but yeah, like that's just 20 years is a is a really, really long time. Yeah, and yeah. I think after the war, he that's when he went back to Korea. Uh. Uh, mm. Yeah, so the period we're talking about is around 1910 till the end of World War II, 1945. Now, this this story is not just not just Korea, uh, but the Japanese were expanding their territory. I think they're on an island, right? And they realized, you know, we want to expand our territory. And so the emperor and the military guys in Japan just started branching out. And one of the first was Korea. And of course, uh, not of course, but uh, Taiwan and China, Hong Kong, Singapore, they were, they had their footprint on a lot of territory in Asia. But I think perhaps Korea might have been one of the more brutal places. I mean, we've all heard of the rape of Nanking as well. That was some rough times in China. But it was it was a tough, tough time for... Koreans and um, for other folks in Asia who were really just living in fear for uh, for decades, you know, under the Japanese rule. So that's kind of the setting of this book. And it was just turned into a, well, not just, but they, they turned it into an Apple show in 2019, 2020, I believe. And it just started in March. So uh, don't worry, everyone. If you haven't watched it yet, we're not going to spoil it yet. <laughs> well, we'll warn you. We'll warn you if we do spoil it. So uh, hopefully, we'll just talk about kind of the setting of it and the kind of the background of it a little bit, and then we'll warn you before we really get into it. So yeah, so this is a history that is something that was clearly important. You know, three, four decades long and changing lives like forever. And yet, in America, I don't think anyone talks about it here in America. I mean, unless unless you have roots in Korea or Japan, maybe. But I, I would not have known this history at all, I think, from any of my education. Would you, you said you heard about it a little bit. Was it more like culturally from your aunties or your grandparents? Like, not in yeah. school, right? Would you ever learn, learn this stuff in school? No, it, it won't be. I mean... The Vietnam War and you know World War One, World War Two, and like Australian history, like that's the sort of stuff we'll learn at school here in right. Australia. But 
Oh, and the Korean War, but not so specifically like the experiences. Absolutely. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Like we, we, you know, we know about Pearl Harbor here in America. And then, you know, I, I used to watch movies like the Battle for Iwo Jima, that kind of stuff we would learn about. But yeah, the everyday citizen's life, we, we never talked about that mm -hmm. at all. Okay, so, so this book was written by uh, Min Jin Lee. Uh, I think it came out, what, 2017? Not that long ago, so pretty recent. And then as soon as this came up as a show, I knew I wanted to watch it because I've heard a lot of buzz about Pachinko. And so just for the listeners out there who haven't uh, read the book or heard of the show, um, it's a bestseller. It's a book that covers four generations of a Korean immigrant family, starting with a great-grandma in Korea, right? When the, the, is it an occupation or a colonization? I don't know what you call it. But right when Japan kind of started taking over Korea in 1915, I believe. And then you see this young girl grow up. And then she they flash back and forth in the show. They flash back and forth to when she's a grandma. in she must have been in her 80s in 1989, maybe 70s. In 1989, and they kind of go back and forth. And you see different generations, and it's it's not dark, but it's serious. It's mm. it's a how would you describe the, the book? Mm. Yeah, Rox and I, Rox, the co other co host of Agency Podcast, we were saying that it's serious, yeah. like it's heavy, heavy. And that's there, the good word. There's yeah. no, yeah, there's no light moments. There's no joy. <laughs> there's no, no joy. There's no jokes. There's no comedic relief. We were just saying the only sort of light moment is the intro, the intro song. Yeah. Everyone's dancing. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. If you watch the intro, you would think you're going to watch a Korean drama, right? Oh, this will mm -hmm. be fun. And it's Korean, but it is produced by an American company. So it has a little, and directed by Americans. So it has a little, mm -hmm. Asian Americans. So it has mm -hmm. a little bit of a Western feel to it. I think you mentioned that. It doesn't feel mm -hmm. like a Korean drama when you're watching it. No. I don't, well, I asked my mom actually, because I sort of said it doesn't feel like a K Korean drama. Uh, I think Rock said it felt like a international sort of indie movie sort of feel. Yeah, I agree. Um, I asked, yeah, I asked my, my mom what she thought, because she's been watching it too. And she said it feels like, like a Korean show. Oh, okay. Which means that the script and the acting from a Korean's point, Korean's point of view, it's, pretty good it's good mm. it doesn't feel you know when you watch like an american yeah. show or american movie and then you got like that asian come on and they're speaking korean or something or chinese and you're just like yeah you know that you know they're actually not korean or they're not chinese yeah. it's like but to someone pretending to be you're just like that token asian and you think no one will notice right 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 but you right. do yeah. yeah but then this is legit like we've got real korean actors yeah. Acting. So it does feel like a Korean drama. Um, I wouldn't say it feels like a Japanese drama, if that makes any sense, because something that bothers me so much is I mean, the Korean is great, absolutely fluent, but the Japanese, some parts of the Japanese is so bad uh, that that actually throws me off huh. a little bit. I like guess it was hard to find Koreans mm. that could speak. Both languages, yeah. Yeah, and when Koreans speak in Japanese, there is a strong accent. Yeah, I can imagine. It's really strong. So yeah. I think that was throwing me off a bit, uh, um, except for one of the actors. He's a real Zainichi. Uh, um, okay, I'm trying to see how I can say this without spoiling anything, but there is an actor uh, on the show who's a real, like he's actually um, Korean Japanese. Korean Japanese Korean born in Japan or... yeah yeah and you can see that he's Korean and Japanese it's like really pretty good. fluent wow. yeah yeah okay you know and that was a great choice I thought because you know 20 years ago 10 years ago I think if they made this drama they might find Korean Americans you know do you remember the movie memoirs of a geisha Yes. It's like, it's supposed to be, you know, these <laughs> Japanese women, but they're all speaking English with different accents mm. and, you know, no subtitles because, you know, of course, Americans didn't like subtitles. Still, a lot of Americans don't like subtitles. But I think now is the time when you can do subtitles 
and you know Squid Game and all these you know all these Korean dramas, people are willing to read subtitles, and so it's perfect because you got three languages going on, a little bit of English, but mostly J- Japanese and Korean, and they very tastefully or very cleverly have different colors. So if they're speaking Japanese, it's blue, and if they're speaking Korean, it's yellow, and English is white. So I, I thought that was that was really well done, and so yeah, they have. Legit actors, we can talk about them in a second. But yeah, we had, um, I think it was a really good sized budget and they, they made it look amazing, I thought, just mm. from the get-go. The sound yeah. and the visuals are mm-hmm. just so on point. But you know what's funny? Like the whole show was produced and shot during the pandemic. So I think that there could have been more scenes like actually filmed in Korea and Japan, sure, but I don't yeah. think they did. So it's pretty amazing how well they produced it yeah. considering <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything that's going on right now. Yeah. I think they did some of it in Busan, but I think a lot oh, of it's they? in Canada. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. In Vancouver. It was kind of random. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they needed the ocean or something like that. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is... um. This is a topic that is near and dear to some people's hearts, you know, like your grandparents and others. And I, I apparently it's still a thing, you know, like um, I know that when I was in college, I, I had several friends. My roommate was Korean and I had several other close friends that were Korean and they they said they were so happy when Hyundai came out and Kia, you know, because they were either going to buy only an American, European, or Korean car. They would never buy a Japanese car. And and these are American-born Koreans. But I think they, you know, it's they've been told from their grandparents or their elders, you will never buy a Japanese car. Right. I think my generation, we're in different generations, I feel you and I, Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. <laughs> so I grew up, you know, so I was in college, I was in high school in the 80s and college in the 90s. So that generation was a little closer. I mean, my generation is a little closer to, so it wasn't our grandparents, it would be our parents mm-hmm. who could speak Japanese if I were yes. Korean, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say I have like friends who were so anti, but... I do have moments where, okay, for example, once I had this Adidas jacket that I bought, you know, with like the three stripes on the arm Uh and that was like so cool (laughs) in high school (laughs) and I bought it on sale and it happened to have the Japanese flag on it and I just thought, oh, whatever, it's a cute, it's such a cute jacket, it's this bright blue and it's the perfect fit. Um, So I bought it and it quickly became my favorite jacket Uh, at the time I was like pretty heavily involved with the Korean church community Mm -hmm. as a lot of Koreans um, were back then and still are now and I got pulled aside by so many Korean adults Mm -hmm. saying even people who didn't know me they would be like why are you wearing that jacket you need to take that jacket off because of the Japanese flag and I was like what why I don't get it as I said, I wasn't a very smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, no, you really shouldn't. And even though I didn't fully understand the history and the pain, I ended up just sort of not wearing it anymore because it was upsetting the people around me that much hmm. that, yeah, it was just easier if I didn't wear it. So, yeah, that's maybe an example Yeah. where, yeah, that's a bit anti. Like one generation up. One, so these, these folks weren't like mm. your grandmother's age. These folks were like... Maybe 20 my years older parent. than you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. About 20 years older than me. 20, 30 years uh, older than me. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I lived with someone whose grandma was born in Taiwan as well. And Taiwan was colonized for almost just as long, 50 years or longer. And it's interesting that Taiwan, I guess, was treated differently because they're not, they weren't as is bitter the right word? They weren't as against Japan as other countries. Mm. And, you know, I read a little bit on, I just tried to do a little research and I read a little bit and yeah, maybe they were treated, 
part of it too was China was so bad <laughs> to Taiwan, so they were happy to have、mm. Japan there in a way, and and you know they've kept the education system, and and so Taiwanese folks who lived through through that era era、um, don't necessarily feel the same kind of anger or、um, deep deep scars that folks. So it's it's racial, I guess. You know, like Japan and Korea for. For hunt for over a hundred years had had beef, right? They just、mm-hmm. didn't like each other for, and so they probably got the worst treatment. Yeah, I don't really know much about Taiwan's history, to be honest. But it's interesting that you say that that Taiwan wasn't as against yeah the Japanese. I think maybe in Korea, it's just because like Korea was sort of just doing their own their own thing. They were like literally like just their own. They weren't really like living in their own bubble, I guess.、Um, mm. And then yeah, this everything just happened, and it's pretty crazy how much the country has changed just from、oh, yeah. that war. Yeah, I mean, look, like Korea is split in half now as well.、Yeah. Not blaming anyone, but just saying like that's just how traumatic it was for the country. Yeah. So yeah, I would say like that anger that you just mentioned. It still very much exists today.、Mm, mm. Um, we were—I was saying that this in our episode as well—and something that we chat about amongst like our Korean friends is like that anger. The Koreans call it like actually have like a word for it. Oh yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's called the Han,、uh. and that's just like describing like this inner anger, like rage. Yeah, that would always like exist,、um, and it's something that you might not even realize that you have. But it's kind of just there. Like even my boyfriend, who's half Korean, half Japanese, he was saying like, "Oh, I think I have some of the Han." Like、mm. he never really learned much about the Korean and Japanese history. But something we're really realizing more as adults is that his family was actually really impacted by the war, like more than we we knew. Oh wow! And like for example, his、um, grandpa. Actually, lived in North Korea before the the country split,、mm. and when he after the war, or during the war, he was actually in the southern part of Korea, and then Korea got divided.、So、he got cut off. He got cut off. So he was actually completely separated from his family.、Oh, wow. And it's just like that all trickles down as well.、Um, and yeah, I think it's really sad, and there is that anger, but. I think it is. It's interesting, like just recognizing it and even just realizing that it's there.、Mm. And sometimes it's so easy to say, like, "Oh, you know, let's move on. It's the past." Yeah. But it's not really like that as well because it's just kind of embedded. I feel. Yeah.、Um, in yeah. our lives. Yeah, it's just maybe it's hard for you know, like honestly, I don't have a show that is a direct parallel to my family's history. But、uh, have you ever watched the show Warrior? No. So it's on HBO. It was Cinemax, and it takes place in San Francisco in the 1800s. And that's about when some of my relatives came over, and just to see, and it's highly fictionalized or highly embellished history. But for me, just watching it, just thinking, what would life be like for my ancestors in San Francisco in the 1800s, and having you know having a whole country hate you. And just not want you there at all, and you're just trying to live. You know, you're just trying to <laughs> eke out an existence. You're not even trying to get rich or take over anyone's job or anything. You're just trying to trying to <laughs> stay alive, right? And、mm. I, I just tried to think about that, you know, as I watched Pachinko as well, and just seeing these people struggle, and that that's the word I would use for this show. It's just struggle,、mm. and even when the kid, his name is Solomon. Even when he's in 1989, you know, which you would think is a lifetime away from 1915, you know, but in reality, the this the decisions that his family made and the things that happened in that century, almost a whole century earlier, are still affecting him on a daily basis in many ways, and、mm. it's just interesting to to think that you know our history is so. Uh, there's so much that we don't know about it, and maybe it might explain who we are as people, or、mm. you know how we interact, or how we feel, and 
it was pretty fascinating watching the show. You know, I learned a lot. I don't know how true it is for everyone, but I definitely learned a lot watching this show. Mm. You know what's really cool? I mean, even though you're one generation above before me, it's interesting because when I look at you, I see the future because you're like fourth, fifth generation Asian American. So it's so cool because when I look at you, I'm like, oh, you're this is what my like grandchildren's grandchildren <laughs> will be like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's so yeah. interesting that because some a big part of a big worry, I guess, is like, well, if we stay, at, you know, if we are so physically removed from our like mother country, are there going to be things that are lost? Like, are they going to, you know, be completely westernized, and are they going to lose that Asian touch? But when I look at you and hearing that you watch Pachinko and you even thought about your ancestors in the 1800s, like that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I feel like I'm like talking to my future great 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 grandchildren. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, it's weird. It kind of we talked about this in our episode that we did together too. But it's it's something that I got interested in later, you know, and it's not necessarily something that all my cousins feel. You know, mm. even though we're the same generation. So it's it's interesting. It's sort of like a little a little feeling inside of me that felt like I wanted to know. And I mm. guess I'm just a nostalgic person too. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. I like history and I, I like that. I like kind of knowing where I come from. But uh yeah, who knows? Your future get so we gotta save this podcast for another hundred years and put it in a time capsule and we'll talk to our we'll let your grandkids listen to this (laughs) yeah yeah that'd be cool that would be super cool right okay so let's get into the show a little bit uh again we're gonna try not to spoil anything um We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, I hope we don't. I hope we don't. But uh, okay, so it's written by uh, Min Jin Lee, who's a Korean American. Well, she was born in Korea and moved to New York when she was seven. Uh, super smart girl. She she went to the Bronx Science High School in New York, really well known high school. Went to Yale, which is a you know one of our Ivy League schools. Georgetown Law School. And she actually married a half half Japanese man, um, a hapa that we say out here. And so she actually moved to Japan for four or five years, but now she's in New York again. And I thought, I thought that she had history. I thought this was sort of autobiographical in some ways, but it's not. Like she doesn't have this history herself, even though she's a Korean American. So I I list, learned a little bit about her listening to an interview on a podcast. And she said she just did a ton of research. Like, she's just fascinated by this history. So she just talked to as many people as she could. She went to Korea. She talked to all as many grandmas as she could find as grandpas. But it turns out that most of the people that are still alive from, you know, the 1910s and 20s, they're 80, 90, 100 years old. So most of them are women. So it's mostly grandmas. And she wanted, She said that if she's going to write this book, she wanted to have so much information that she could shoot down anyone, you know, because people would come at her and say, well, how would you know? Or, mm-hmm. you know, are you just making this up? So she wanted to have so much ammunition and say, no, I've talked to this many people, hundreds of people, and this is their story, and I got my facts straight. So she's a really uh, just voracious researcher. She says she loves research. And so she just wrote this book based on their testimonies, and it, it's fiction. But I think you said in your episode, it, it's not, it seems so real in a way because, you know, you lived with someone, you lived with your grandma who lived through this. And so she, in a way, is, is Sunja, right? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my grandma didn't live in Japan, but I think. I really want to thank the author, like Min Jin Lee, for creating a book like this and writing a story like this because, you know, my grandma isn't a woman of many words and she wouldn't, you know, you you sort of look at your grandma and you just think, oh, grandma's grandma, you know. But I think Min Jin kind of humanized my grandma Mm. and while reading the book, I felt like I was learning about my grandma all over again. 
you know, my grandma would have experienced love. My grandma would have experienced pain and she went through her struggles as well, which is actually quite similar to the struggles that, you know, even we face today. Uh, I mean, not to the same extent, but, you know, similar themes. So I think, yeah, I did think about my, my grandma a lot. And I remember reading the book as well. I also thought, who, like, who wrote this? Because I didn't really know much about Min Jin Lee. I wasn't sure if Min Jin Lee was a Korean person who wrote the book in Korean and if the book got translated yeah. into English. Yeah. Like Haruki, Haruki Murakami, for example. Yeah. He writes everything in Japanese first. So I wasn't sure if it was like that. Um, but then I heard she's a Korean-American. And then, then I think that even hit home more for me yeah. because I'm a Korean-Australian. And it's basically like someone like me writing this book, right? And right. she's got a partner who's half Japanese. And I think that would have, you know, I have a partner who's also half Japanese. And I think that would have opened up a lot of conversations as well because you, you know, with your partner, you talk about things like sure. this, like what was it like for you and and you compare stories. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it all kind of makes sense at the same time, but no one really has done what she's done yet. Yeah, amazing. So I think it's really special. Um, yeah. And I think she's really paving the path for more authors. Right. I mean, we've got like Crying in H Mart and lots of other books and yeah. stories being told now. But I think, yeah, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, that's like, she's like, what, yeah. what's the word? Like the trailblazer. Yeah. Trailblazer. Yeah. yeah. In, this, in this field. Yeah. Min Jin, you got to come on our show. Shout out to Minjin, Min please. Jin, please come Min by. Minjin on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's about my age. She's like one or two years older than me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so she's not she's not super young, not super old. She's kind of, you know, in that generation where maybe her parents or grandparents, maybe her grandparents, yeah, probably her grandparents might have lived through that era. But uh, yeah, so just written from research, not having lived through it. But yeah, she has no accent at all when she speaks English. Like she's a Korean American girl. She's a not mm-hmm. a girl. She's a woman. Yeah. She's super intelligent. Yeah. Super smart. Well spoken. Really. And it's and funny. Yeah. She's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She. I. I thought she'd be so serious, right? Because like you said, this book mm-hmm. is serious and heavy. Yeah. But she jokes. Yeah. She's really funny. So. Actually, I would say that the book is bit funnier oh, or lighter okay. than the show. The show is way heavier. <laughs> okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. You got to be ready for this show. It'll wreck you a little bit, this show. <laughs> uh, directed by Justin Chan and Kogonada. Uh, Justin Chan, you know from Blue Bayou. I actually haven't seen that movie yet, but he's Korean-American. Kogonada, I don't know him. He's known for like videos, not uh, not movies per se. But so he he was the those two directed four episodes each. It's an eight episode series. Just finished last night. Well, for us last night, for you two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The cast, a couple big names. Um, Yoon Yoo Jung, uh, who got the Academy Award for Minari, amazing actress. So she's like, I guess Meryl Streep of Korea, right? She's so well known and just done mm-hmm. it for years and years. Uh, cute little show. Have you ever seen Yoon's Kitchen? It's a reality show where they they set up, uh, uh, they open a restaurant and she's like the cook. And they have other oh. celebrities working as waitresses and waiters. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. Is this on Netflix? I don't know where I saw it. Maybe <laughs> Vicky. But it's cute. So she's in the kitchen. So they're not professionals at all. And they're in other towns. So the one that I saw there in Spain. And so they were cooking Korean food in a touristy town. And actually the guy from, uh, everyone's going to get mad at me because I can't remember his name, but the guy from What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? Park Seo-jun. Park Seo-jun. Yeah. Yeah. So Park, Park Seo-jun was one of the waiters. <laughs> and oh. So yeah, you like it. It's really cute. And she's so cute in the in this drama. I mean, sorry, in that reality show. Um, but So she got the Academy Award. So she's well known now. And really well-known in Korea. Well, she was well-known now in America, but really well-known in Korea for years and years and years. And of course, as the role, in the role of Hansu is Iman Ho from Boys Over Flowers. Everyone knows him mm-hmm. from Korean dramas. 
he was also in The King, The Eternal Monarch, and Legend of the Blue Sea. He's been around forever. And you want to hear a fun fact? This was the first role that he had to audition for in 13 years because he's so <laughs> famous now. You know, ever since Boys of Over Flowers, he's so famous that they just write roles for him and he just shows up and does them. He doesn't even have to audition. But I think he heard about this project and he read the script and he said, I really want to be Hansu. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. And same with Yoon Yujong. Like she also had to audition. I heard. Yeah. Um, And I think she was a bit like, what? Why do I have to audition? (laughs) Do you know who I am? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's a legend. (laughs) But yeah, so really good. And then a couple other people I've never seen before. Um, but it's a really good cast. You know, I, I thought everyone was really well cast. I think we should, we also need to talk about the Sonja. Sonja, um, what's her name? The actress. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Mina Kim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Mina Kim is actually, what's the word where she's like new? Oh, uh, debut? Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, this is kind of like a big debut, big, really big moment for her because no one actually knew about her. Uh. Like, she wasn't a big actress at all. And through that, I think that um, the audition process is actually really cool because it gives everyone an equal, you know, playing field. Mm -hmm. And I think apparently, like, lots of famous Korean actresses, um, you know, applied for this role and auditioned for this role. And this basically, like, minimally that no one knows about, uh-huh. you know, got the role. So it's a huge, like, career break for her. Oh, yeah. 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 Because no. this is international. Like, when you're on Apple Apple TV, this is big. I think this is a big show for her. And and she did so well. She, she did amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I actually prefer her acting over Imino. Well, yeah, I mean, don't she, cancel me. But well, no, but that's she, just what I she, she had more range. You know, she had the whole range mm. from a teenage girl who's innocent and just full of wonder, a little bit defiant, all the way through just being a mother of two kids and determined to save your family no matter what. I mean, that was a, it's a tough role for, is. I mean, how old is she? She's probably 20 years old. Like, you know, for a, yeah. a young, young actress who've never really done something on this scale ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Imino's role as well, I think it's would have been really hard because he actually had to like learn another language and mm-hmm. be able to like act in another language and he's supposed to be really fluent in it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's he has a very complex story yeah. as well. His arc um his arc is interesting. As a character, Hansu's arc is very complex, right? And so, yeah, it it took a little bit of acting. And he's not necessarily known as the most versatile actor. Mm -mm. You know, like ever ever since he played that cocky rich guy, you know, in Boys Over Flowers, that's kind of his thing. He kind of, you know, is arrogant. He plays plays that character. He himself may not be arrogant at all. But his character tends to be, you know, he's super good looking and tall. And, yeah. you know, he often plays that character. And so this is a little bit of a departure. A little bit. Parts of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we won't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to say anything. Whatever I say is going to be a spoiler. So I'm just going to. Yeah. So let's talk about the main themes. The main themes, like we talked about a little bit already, um, generational trauma there was that interesting line. I don't think this is a spoiler. Well, maybe it is. All right. I mean, I won't say it. We'll decide after. Okay. So that, there's this one line where early on episode one or something, when they're talking to old Sunja and and her sister-in-law are, are saying that, I think Solomon's the one who's going to break the curse or something like that. Do you remember that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a spoiler, right? Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I don't think so. It doesn't really. Yeah, I don't think it ruins anything. anything. But I yeah. think it just was kind of like they felt like they were cursed for all these generations and they were just waiting for someone to come along and break this curse. So this generational trauma from, you know, way back, you know, almost 100 years ago 
still follows them today. Well, that, today meaning uh, 1989. And then the, the other theme is just survival, right? It's so, mm. so tough. I, I can't imagine, you know, raising a family in this situation, having a newborn and just always fearing for starvation or, you know, just what, you know, just making someone, some soldier mad or something, anything that you do could be just, could ruin your family, you know, anything. So, yeah, this is tough to watch. And then there's mm-hmm. just straight up classism and racism. Asian on Asian racism is a thing, you know. Chinese people, Japanese people, Korean people, there's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of xenophobia. There's a lot of just, oh, otherism, even in Asia. So, you know, out here, we're always thinking, oh, that's so racist or whatever. But when you go to these other countries, you'll hear your relatives or you'll, you'll hear someone say something. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. So there's severe racism in the show. So it's just a heavy, heavy show, but I couldn't take my eyes off it. I couldn't wait. Every time an episode dropped, I just wanted to watch it as soon as possible. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Another theme that I thought I might add, I don't know if this one is more a theme for the book, um, but I would say it's love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Would you say love is a theme in the show? Absolutely. Yeah. Like a love story, you know. Um, I just feel like it's... I kind of see the book as Sunja's, Sunja's like love story in a way. Yeah. Imperfect and broken and traumatizing, <laughs> you mm. know. Yeah. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it'll it'll wreck you a little bit people, so uh mm-hmm. prepare yourself. Get your get your tissues out. Um it's it's a tough watch, but yeah, I again, it's one of those things that isn't going to make you feel good, but it's going to make you feel something. Yeah. You're going to feel something when you watch this. Did you did you cry in any of the scenes, Curtis? You know what scene really got me? And it wasn't <laughs> necessarily crying out of, you know, sorrow. But, okay, should we do the spoiler? All right, well, let me do it. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. So we've come to the point of this episode where we cannot <laughs> hold back any longer. We're going to talk about the actual plot. So if you haven't watched the show, please go watch it. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I don't know if you have Apple TV Plus. There's a three-month trial. Like, I got a code for a three-month trial. So that's enough to watch eight episodes for sure. It's all out now, so you can watch them all. If you, Even if you had a one-month trial, you could definitely watch it all. So I highly recommend it if you can get it, um, get a trial or, or subscribe to Apple TV Plus. Um, but yeah, watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. So we're going to spoil it. So what song should we play? I usually play a song to let mm, people okay. know it's spoiler time. The theme mm. is interesting. There's a song by The Cure that I, I'm going to talk about in one second. That's a good song too. But anyway, so we'll play a song. <laughs> and when the song is over, we're going to start talking about the plot. So the scene that really wrecked me, or I, I just really loved in in a way, was episode four at the end, when there's the grandma who owns the building that the bank wants to own, and she's she agreed to sell it for a ton of money, and she goes to the bank in Japan, and all these Japanese bankers are there, all the presidents are there, and they're like, oh, they're bowing to her. and They're saying, thank you so much for coming in, you know, and they're really treating her like a queen. And she's about to sign, and then she looks at Solomon. So she, she starts telling this story in Japanese. And then she, then she says, when I came to this country, Japanese people hated us, treated us like dogs. You know, we were fearing for our lives. And she's telling this story. And then she switches to Korean, and she looks at Solomon, who's the only one in the room who understands Korean. 
and she just says, "What do you? What would you do if every drop in your body, every drop of blood in your body, is telling you not to do something? What would you do if your grandma was in this position?" And he just looks at her and says, "I wouldn't sell." You know, <laughs> that got me. You know, and and he's、mm. gonna lose his job, and、mm. it's gonna. It has huge ramifications on him. He can't go back to America, you know, because he's not a citizen. It had huge ramifications, and then he he just is stunned that he even did that because he just he basically sabotaged his own whole career. And he goes outside. It's pouring rain. He takes his suit off. He throws it on the ground. Throws his tie on the ground. And there's this band in the subway. Some buskers, you know, playing this Cure song in between days. Which is from my youth, you know, from my high school days. This song、uh. by the Cure, and it's you know one of my favorite songs. And he's just dancing in the rain, you know, the kind of dancing you do when you're just <laughs> when you just don't care who's looking and you don't care who's watching, and you have you kind of have no care in the world, even though he has every care in the world, and he's just dancing there. And that scene got me, you know, the end of episode four. Uh, really got me, and I was—I just wanted to—I just wanted more. I just wanted episode five to drop that <laughs> night. You know, I wanted to watch more. How about you? Did you cry in this at all? Well, I was gonna say, like, what part in that scene do you feel that、mm. you know? What part in that scene made you feel really sad? It wasn't sad. It was just like that. They connected for a second there. This Korean woman, Korean grandma, and the switch language. So it's basically only those two talking, and that he, up to this point, he had been putting career over everything. Right, his whole life was about、mm. career. His whole life was about making this, making money, and then this deal was going to make him. You know, if he、mm-hmm. makes this deal, he's set in this bank. He's going to be a vice president. He's going to be way up there. He's going to have huge collateral at this bank. And he realizes he can't he can't do this, and he didn't go through with it. And he told her, you know, if up to this point he'd been telling her, you're setting up your family. You know, this is going to be generational. This is going to be a blessing for generations for your family. You know, he'd been kind of selling her on this this deal, and it was a good deal. You know, it's it's a good deal for her family because it's you know she's not gonna ever see this money any other way, and so. But he realizes that he can't tell her to do it. There's no way he can tell her to do it. So that got me that he was、mm. willing to throw away his career, and then sometimes doing the right thing isn't the best thing for you, but do it anyway. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, right. It was a really sad scene. I don't think I cried in that scene specifically. I was just thinking maybe it was more sad for you, Curtis, because. It was like Solomon because he's a dude,、ah. so maybe you felt more. You felt it was more relatable uh-huh, to you because、uh-huh. I think I choke up when it's Sonja related. Yeah, you know, like the struggles of a woman or anything around that.、So、I actually cried just before recording this episode. Oh yeah,、uh, you know the very last scene、right. in episode eight, where it's that moment. I mean, I cried in a lot of scenes. Um, I think Rox was saying she cried a lot when Sonja, as a grandma, went back to Korea. Yeah, that scene too. And you, that scene at the beach. Yeah, yeah. That scene got us. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah. But um, just because I watched episode eight, um, just before <laughs> recording this, <laughs> um, the bit where like Sonja is like selling kimchi. Or, yeah. Younger Son Sonja is selling kimchi. And she's like so nervous, and everyone's like saying, "Oh, go away! It smells、yeah. like go over there, go over there, like get away from me." She finds a spot, and she looks around, and she's like, "Okay, everything's just so foreign to her."、Yeah. And then they they zoom into her face. She looks to the left. She looks to the right, and then she's like, "Okay, you just know she's like, I need to like just snap out of this、yeah. and do what everyone else is doing for survival." Right. And she just starts going out and saying like, "Buy my kimchi," because you know it's actually really hard if you're not someone who like yells. Yeah. Normally, if you're someone who's quite quiet and reserved, and you just know how to work hard quietly, this is a really hard thing to put yourself out there. Yeah. In front of all these people and setting yourself up for rejection, pretty much. Yeah. And saying like, "Oh, buy my kimchi, buy my kimchi,"、yeah. that really got me. Yeah, that scene was amazing got,、mm. too. Yeah, the way they filmed it, 
And then they have the drone shot or whatever, yeah, you know. At the end. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, and then just the the looks on people's faces when she walks by and you you just feel so bad for her. And yet then she kicks it in the gear, you know, she locks in and says, you know, this I got to do this to survive. And I'm going to do it, you know. Mhm. Cuz she it's had, almost like Yeah, go ahead. a switch went off. Yeah. Yeah that moment and they captured that so well yeah. in the show like in that last scene yeah because she had kind of lost that too because she had you know when she was younger in korea she was a little spunky you know walking through the marketplace in korea mm. like she owned the place you know when the soldiers you remember the scene the soldiers walk by and everyone looks down and she's the only one that doesn't look down and hanzu notices that right and mm-hmm. so she had this a little bit of a swagger and a little bit of moxie, you know, that someone like Hanzu would notice her out of all the girls and all the women. She's the one that he notices. So, she, But she lost that. You know, she lost that once she got pregnant and, you know, she had to just stay alive and, you know, and, and she married a pastor and, you know, all this stuff. She lost that that little gumption. And then at the end there, she realizes she has to stay alive. And yeah, yeah, I really don't like the brother in law because he didn't help either because he kept bringing her down. Yeah, every time she had she was there to like save the day, his ego yeah. would get in the way and be like, Oh, I can sort this out. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And she's like, No, but I love that she still always stood up for herself. She's always like, No, you can't politely. How are you yeah, gonna she, do it? Yeah. Or politely, yeah, yeah, which is like pretty cool, you know, because. You know, Korean culture is very patriarchal, very patriarchal. especially back then. Yeah. So for her to like stand up for herself, like if you compare her to her, the sister-in-law, right. the sister-in-law is like, oh, husband, yeah. you know, it's all good. Yeah, maybe we'll listen to you, you know. Right, um, right. And you know, that oh, that scene where the sister-in-law starts, I think she starts crying when she's like, I've lived here for like a really long time okay. and you just got here. Yeah. Sonja. Yeah. And just seeing you do that makes me feel so pathetic. I think I cried at that scene as well because Son- just Sonja's such a strong character and yeah. she's so inspiring. Like you-, you can apply that even to today. Yeah, you know, to stand up for yourself and to you know not be not be afraid. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> also, tonight's scene. Did you see the scene where her son Mozazu? Is like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And she goes, it's just a woman dying. Get over it. I was kind of like, ooh, <laughs> you know, a little tough. Yeah, yeah. And that scene when um, Mozas is like, oh, are you gonna let, you know, are you gonna let that happen to? That's rough. Uh, yeah, yeah. That you know what scene I'm talking about? Yeah. Where she's like, oh, what happened to Noah? And then she didn't back down, and she's like. No, I would never let that happen. Yeah. La 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 la. She she always fights back. Yeah, and yeah, that's just so brave. And that's a little tidbit we should say to pique your interest for a season two. Yes. So we're gonna know. We're gonna learn a little more about Noah. I think I cheated and I didn't read the book, but I looked at the <laughs> Wikipedia synopsis, so I know a little bit. I don't know if they're gonna do it exactly as the book. You know, it's not exact like the book, but um. Yeah, so I think we're going to get a lot more Noah and Mozazu in the next one. And they, you know, and Hanzu makes a big comeback. I was telling Viv, my wife, I was telling her, oh, yeah, Lehman Ho's only in like the first two episodes. But I didn't realize that he was going to have such an important role even going forward. Like mm, when, You mean like for season two? Yeah, well, no, I mean even even in this season where... When she sails to Japan and he's standing there watching her sail away, I thought that was it for him. I thought we would never see him again because I didn't know the book. And yet he shows up every so often. Mm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think that was sort of the beauty of the book. You, you kind of wonder, is that it? Like with yeah. Hanzu? Because it was so passionate Yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and she, but I do and she like- hated him so much, you know, when she left. She yeah. hated him so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel like the show gave him more of a character. Like he always had a very strong presence in the book. Yeah. But he's definitely having more scenes yeah. in the TV show yeah. over the book. I don't. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. So I would say, 
it's a perfect amount of time between season one and two to go read the book, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah. you know, unless like you don't want to know. Yeah, I don't think it's it interesting. I don't though. think it would ruin it for me. You know, like even if I knew. <laughs> well, you you googled it. I know <laughs> you cheated, so I do know. <laughs> so it won't ruin it for you. <laughs> I, I ruined it for myself. <laughs> it's my own fault because I was because I was wondering because I was wondering like how much are they going to wrap up in episode eight? I was like, is there a lot more or is this just going to be done? Yeah. Oh no! You know what it was? I watched episode eight, and then it just seems so unfinished. And then yeah. I, I said, "There's got to be a season two, right?" So I looked at the Google. Then I looked at the Google. I was like, "Oh yeah, there's got to be a season two. Yeah, because there's so much that we have to know. Yeah." And so, yeah, so I, I don't think it's going to ruin it for me. I don't, I don't think I'll still enjoy it. I know I'll still enjoy mm. it when and if I, it, they say it's coming out. So hopefully it'll come out sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Waiting is so hard. It is, it is. So, uh, you know, that's a, that, we don't have to go too much in the plot. We don't want to ruin it completely if you haven't seen it. Some people don't mind spoilers. Some people, I guess I don't. I guess I just read this. <laughs> but some people say they listen straight through our podcast, even though we're going to spoil it. So I don't think we spoiled too much for you. There's definitely a lot we didn't talk about that would um, still be interesting to watch, even if you heard us talk so far. Overall, if you, you had to give it, you know, 10 stars out of zero to 10 stars, what would you give it? For the show? Yeah. <sighs> I would say, to be honest, like the first four episodes, I'll give it like a nine out of ten. Yeah. But I'll say the show as a whole, I'll give it maybe an eight. I don't know. It's just sort of got a little messy towards. I feel like towards the end, it just yeah, it got a little bit messy, and yeah, yeah I don't know. I do feel like the beginning of the show was more fun. You know what I think? I I think they they were thinking that they weren't sure if they're going to do a season two or not. And they wanted to see some numbers because the whole episode seven was just totally on Hanzu as a younger man. That was weird. That seemed out of character for the show because they had been jumping in time and jumping back and forth between stories. So that one felt a little bit more like a filler, you know, like they were like, that was hundred percent a filler episode. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in the book. At least from what I remember, I was just like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like this, like they didn't go this much into depth at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was definitely felt like a filler. And it didn't match um, the rest of the show at all. It didn't seem to match the show. Yeah. Well, did you hear? Uh, I, I I don't know if you heard, but I was reading like an interview with Min Jin Lee, and she was actually meant to be really involved in the uh -huh. production of the show, and then she was no longer involved. It happens a lot. And yeah. she said they were like, "Oh, why?" And then she just said, "No comment." And uh, you know why? Because of episode seven. Yeah. It wasn't part of the book. Yeah. Or they were just like, maybe we can get three seasons out of this. Or, you know, and she's like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. It would have been. Yeah. Because yeah, it just was moving along really well. And then it was the Solomon story with the selling the building seemed like a main thing. And then it just kind of drifted. And then you had a lot more of Hannah. And then you had more Hansu. Like it just slowed down in didn't move forward and then episode eight was really all over the place episode eight's kind of super messy <laughs> and unfinished business so that's why i was kind of like that can't be it right like mm -mm. so yeah anywho see I, I agree with you i think episode one through four i might even go yeah nine or t nine and a half out of ten mm. but yeah the last four it didn't ruin it for me but yeah it got messy and kind of weird so yeah maybe overall eight and a half Mm. But definitely worth watching. I would, you know, I would, I would recommend yeah. this if you're 100%. if you're in the mood <laughs> to be a little serious. Yeah, you know, you can watch another Korean drama for romance or laughs, but this one will be, get you thinking, and it's beautiful to look at, and um, the music and the story and the acting, everything's solid. Mm -hmm. Well, Julia, thanks for coming along, man. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Yeah. We, see, now that we're friends, it's just easier, right? You're not nervous. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much easier. I'm not even nervous one bit. Yeah, we're just talking. Very chill. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, thanks for coming along. Everyone out there, thanks for listening. Make sure you give 
uh, Julia and Rocks alike over at Asian Soup Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, as well as all the podcast platforms. Give them a listen. Their episode on uh, Pachinko was really fun. Uh, Julia calls her grandma. And uh, I didn't understand the Korean, but it was just really cute. <laughs> uh, and there's a ton of spoilers. So if you like spoilers, or if you've already read the book, go check it out. Yeah, yeah, go check her out. Uh, you got another episode coming up soon? Um, yes. So the next episode that's dropping is about language. Okay. Yeah. So we just chat about Rocks is Chinese and or Chinese Australian and I'm Korean Australian. So we sort of like just chat about how important language is for us, mm. um, you know, living in Australia and just stuff like that. Um, yeah. Fun. Check it out, please. Yeah, come on Hopefully by. Hopefully it's out. by. Oh, yeah, it would be out by the time this episode comes. I don't know when this is going. Yeah, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see how fast we can edit it. But, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you learned a little something. We had a good time just chatting about this. Please give us a like. Give both of us a like or a follow on Spotify. Write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. That helps us get uh, recommended to other people that may not know about us and we're we're dinky we have no budget for advertising so you gotta spread the word out there people so let people know that you like us so until we talk again on behalf of Julie and myself we hope you're all happy healthy and safe out there thanks again for listening we'll talk to you soon bye bye